And that's the thing, right? Things evolve so quickly that something that might be fit for purpose two years ago is totally outdated and lacking in best practices today. Welcome to Honest E-Commerce, where we are dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And I'm your host, Annette Grant. And we believe running an online business does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. If you are struggling to scaling your sales, Electric Eye is here to help. To apply to work with us, visit electriceye.io slash connect to learn more. And let's get on with the show. On today's episode of Honest E-Commerce, we welcome Nona Lim, founder and CEO of Nona Lim, a manufacturer of direct-to-consumer fresh Asian comfort foods like bone broth, soups, and noodles based in Oakland, California. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I am your host, Chase Clymer. Joining me is Annette Grant across the table. And then across the country, we are joined by Nona Lim, the CEO and founder of Nona Lim. Uh, They manufacture fresh Asian comfort foods like bone broths, soups, and noodles. Uh, They're over there in Oakland, California. And it's a really unique business model. And they're actually using Shopify to succeed with this. So it's, it's awesome. Welcome to the show, Nona. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun to see how businesses are using, you know, e-commerce in a more traditional business model, especially like with food. So, uh, let's I guess let's give us a little bit of background to how you started the business and uh what inspired you. Sure. You know, so my background is that I grew up in Singapore. Uh, actually spent a number of years working in London in management consulting and software consulting during the first uh, dot-com boom. So that's quite some time ago before moving to the US. Uh, When I first moved to the US, I was actually a competitive fencer and decided to start a business on the side. It looked very different from the current iteration today. In fact, the first business I started was the very first meal kit delivery business in the U.S. before all the current incumbents. That was back in 2006. Uh, And we pivoted a couple of times before we got to the business today. But, you know, back in 06, life was very different then. I think that was before Shopify existed. That was before social media existed. Uh, And uh, everything had to be custom developed. And I can talk a little bit more about that too. Well, I want to go back just two things that you said. Number one, you were a professional fencer. Is that correct? Yeah, I would say competitive fencer. Okay. Awesome. I wasn't getting paid for it. So okay. it's not really professional. Right. Maybe there aren't very many fencers that get paid. And then, so you were the first online meal delivery? Yes, that wow. is correct. And that, I, think I created that category so way cool. back in 2006 because nobody else uh, did it then. And that was a little bit too ahead of my time. Right. <laughs> so were you shipping across the country at that time or just delivering door to door, but they would order online? So actually, I first started with just the Bay Area. So it was really kind of experiment on the side, right? So I built a very simple website with no real database or backend. It was very manual uh, and customers were all in the Bay Area and I was literally the prep cook in the timeshare kitchen, prepping everything and doing the delivery. So created the whole concept, made it subscription-based, you know, all these different meal kits uh, and was just in the Bay Area. 
And what happened was uh, at that time as well, I got to know a number of functional medicine doctors, dietitians, nutritionists, and really got into the whole philosophy of food as medicine. And also we were creating things that were gluten-free, dairy-free, sustainable, organic, grass-fed beef. And then we created the first uh, food-based detox program as well in about 08, 09. And that was national. So we literally had to be flying boxes of food across the country using two-day air, three-day air with UPS. So that was back um, almost a decade ago. Yeah. Pioneering lots of <laughs> lots of things then. So the first sites too, were you building them or were you having um, developers help you with that? Oh, I had to hire a developer to help me build that. Uh, and even then, you know, it was really challenging because um, the what was available in the marketplace then did not have the concept of a meal kit subscription. Usually when they had a subscription, it was buying exactly the same product on a cadence. Herestus was more like you subscribe to a meal plan, but you could change up what is in your meal plan, right? Or the concept of a our detox program was literally like a one-week, two-week, or three-week program where you could have a you know vegetarian option or non-vegetarian option, and there were two deliveries a week. So a lot of things were just um, very custom. There was nothing really that you could just buy off the shelves. And um, so that made it expensive. At the same time, you know, I didn't go out and raise, well, I've made a lot of mistakes, I think, along the way. One of the mistakes was that when you're launching something as innovative as that, you really need to go raise your millions and millions of dollars so you can really build the back end of fulfillment and have enough money for customer acquisition. But at that time, I was really doing it, just testing out certain concepts and ideas. So I was bootstrapping it. So, you know, that didn't give me a lot of resources to work with. Gotcha. I want to kind of talk about how the subscription is hard to do. And you kind of hit the nail on the head there is that you, even with today's modern subscription softwares, when you are doing something that is just a little bit outside of the box, computers don't understand that just a little bit. They only do exactly what you tell them to do. And so when you start adding variants and options and making your subscription different than like what it's built to do even though it seems like a little bit of change like computers are dumb <laughs> like i it, it's it's you really got to think about what your your subscription is going to be you know when you're selling the same thing over and over that's super easy to set up and do but once you start talking about mixing and matching and like start to add in like oh they get the box and then they choose what they want like oh man you're opening up a giant can of worms so it's just something to consider when you're thinking about a subscription model like the further and further away you get from the same thing every month, it, the more difficult it gets. Absolutely. You know, there are just complications on the front end with technology, and then there are complications on the back end with fulfillment, right? Um, whether you have your own in house fulfillment team doing the pick and pack, or whether you outsource to a third party uh, fulfillment center, just the more exceptions to the rule creates a lot more opportunities for mistakes as well on the back end. Absolutely. So let's kind of go back in time though. So you mm-hmm. started the business originally. Was it called Nona Lim back then? No, it was called Cook SF. So it was a totally different name because you know the whole concept was about the fact that you can cook. So we called cooksf.com. We had a meal kit delivery. You would get your meals once a week. Uh, it had lots of amazing choices like 
wild Alaskan salmon with a miso dressing uh, and gluten-free soba noodles and some bok choy, right? So it's very pretty high-end. Another thing that I learned, which is, you know, you really have to go for the lowest common denominator. I was creating meals which were things that I wanted to eat, things that you would get in a restaurant in the Bay Area, but that's not necessarily mainstream. But that's what we did. And then the detox program was based on the elimination diet. So it took up all of the common food allergens. And then what happened was that, you know, the soups that we had, the soups and broths, uh, were snacks on the detox program. And we had customers who lost a lot of weight during the detox program. You know, their cholesterol dropped, triglycerides fell. They were literally, some of them went off medication. So it was really impactful, but very niche. And, and they would say to me, you know, I love the program, but I don't want to be detoxing forever, which makes total sense to me. Neither do I. And so they said, were there products that they could easily buy in stores? And the soups, the snacks on the program, those were the ones that we packaged. And that's how we launched into retail uh, back in about 2012. And that's how we got started. And by 2014, by then I quit fencing. I've decided that, you know, uh, almost made the London Olympics in 2012, missed it by one point, got pretty upset, quit fencing to focus on the business. And in 2014, we shut down all of the online meal delivery uh, programs and focused on retail. And then the Nonalim brand was born in 2014. So I've got a question there. You know, you said that you were splitting your time between the competitive fencing and the business. So do you feel like once you went all in on the business, did you see a significant increase in productivity? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yes. Uh, my mom always, you know, she had this um, metaphor that a knife cannot be sharp on both ends and you have to pick one or the other. You know, for years, I, I thought I could do it. Uh, but suddenly when I gave up fencing to focus exclusively on the business, definitely saw a lot more momentum in the last four or five years. Yeah, I think that it, Took me myself a long time. I had, at one point had like five odd jobs, and it was like cool. I was like, I don't have a real job, but uh, yeah, it, I definitely appreciate the focus these days. And I, I kind of tell everyone else like, just do what you're really good at, and then you'll see you'll see results with that. Hey, if you're in the product making business, then we've got great news for you. Katana is here to make your life easier. There's now a Shopify app built and designed for merchants that make their own products, manage your sales, orders, raw materials, production schedule, inventory, and material purchasing all from one dashboard. The name of that app is Katana. K-A-T-A-N-A. Katana is designed for makers, crafters, and small manufacturers selling on Shopify. Until now, product makers selling on e-commerce have had to settle with messy spreadsheets or regular inventory management software. We know they both usually suck if you need to make your own products. Fortunately, Katana is built from ground up with the needs of a small manufacturer in mind. Production scheduling and inventory management has never been this easy for Shopify merchants. A recent survey shows that 93% of Katana's users say they love it because of the ease of the setup and how intuitive it is. To try Katana for free, sign up at www.katanamrp.com. That's K-A-T-A-N-A-M-R-P.com. Or search Katana on the Shopify app store. There's a 14-day free trial. You do not need a credit card. And when you're signing up, use the promo code HONEST to get 30% off your first three months of a paid subscription. Check out Katana today. Now you've talked about how you you went from this 
you know, meal kit delivery service. And then you kind of pivoted, you pivoted, and now you've got Nona Limb as it is today. You're, you're producing these broths and you're shipping them. How do you do that like as an e-commerce business? Like that sounds like something a restaurant does. Like how, what, how'd you do it? You're like being very innovative. So walk us through that. When we went into retail, we actually kind of turned off the resources around e-commerce for a few years because uh, of all the challenges associated with it. It is a fresh product, so you have to ship it temp control, uh, which is very difficult. You're shipping across the country. And, you know, it is broth. It's a lot of liquid, and they are heavy. So you add to that, you know, add the ice packs to that, add the temp control boxes, add your products. Shipping becomes really, really expensive. So for, you know, I would say that uh, since we launched the brand Nona Limb for about three to four years, we were focused really in a kind of brick and mortar in-store strategy. So we were really going after the retail channel, the naturals, the independents, whole foods, and things like that. It's only in the last year and a half that we were able to crack e-commerce. And a lot of that has to do with us finding a fulfillment partner that actually have five warehouses across the country that's temp control and could ship by ground across the country in two days or less. Now, that meant that we didn't have to pay the exorbitant shipping fees and still be able to get the products to our customers in a timely fashion and in good condition. So I think that was really the most important thing, which is to sort out the backend. Once we were able to get that going, and we used Shopify for that, so we integrated our Shopify directly with their system so that orders would go through automatically and it wasn't a manual process, which meant that it could be very scalable. We then tackled Amazon so that we could then go on Amazon and Seller Central and set up products there because otherwise um, there is no way we could offer free shipping on Amazon and get products to our customers across the country uh, in a cost-effective way. And with that as well, we actually were able to integrate um, the Amazon uh, with Shopify, which was then already integrated with our uh, fulfillment partner so that everything would flow seamlessly through. Impressive. Very impressive. Question. Do you think that being in all the retail locations prior to launching online though has helped your success because people have familiarity with your brand? I think it's... For me specifically, yes, but I don't think it's necessary. Like we we just did an online survey of our customers and over 80% of them first saw us in the store uh, and then they were interested uh, to find out more about us. And that's what happened. Uh, so yes, it definitely helped us a lot. But I think you have a lot of other examples like Bulletproof or Soylent or a lot of other DTC brands who were able to start purely with e-commerce and online before they migrated into retail. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it depends on um, the products that you have, what the fulfillment of that looks like, uh, and then the uh, customer acquisition strategy and where you're willing to put your resources. Yeah, let's talk about that a bit. So now that you are you know you brought e-com into what was essentially kind of like a wholesale business Originally, you know, not to belittle it, but once you brought once you brought in that direct consumer component with e-commerce, like how did that change your marketing? What did you guys do? How did you go out and acquire these new customers? 
I think certainly we're looking at a integrated channel strategy, right? Which is we do have that retail and the retail is driving a lot of the online sales. But at the same time, you know, to try to get, I would say, to build the funnel of customers coming to us. I think Amazon is a strategy that we're looking at for acquisition because the purchase intention is really high on Amazon. Uh, that's one way of um, getting customers. And then hopefully, you know, being able to migrate them uh, from Amazon to our website through either kind of pricing strategy or product selection strategy. Um, I think that Instagram is a very big tool that's available today. It's, it's what I call almost like food porn, right? It's just such beautiful <laughs> images. Uh, it allows you to build an emotional connection with your customers. It's something that didn't exist in back in 2006. And so I think that Instagram is such a key channel for all food brands to really build that connection and relationship with consumers. And that's what we're really focusing on. Of course, if you have even more resources, you can always go back and look at SEM. It's a big one. Um, Facebook, though, you know, I think a lot of people do advertise on Facebook. I'm not sure if we've seen as much ROI on it. Uh, It's something that we're still testing and looking at. Absolutely. Especially now, Facebook's changing extremely right now. So we're we're, uh, recording this second day of May. And I just saw yesterday, I, I caught an article where uh, Zuck is changing everything up. It's going more private. So less mm-hmm. less public. Uh, and I think groups are going to be a, a big thing now. Uh, so I, it's that's going to impact advertising a lot and make my job terrible for a few weeks. Uh, so I'm excited to see what happens there. Obviously, I need to learn it. Uh, but yeah, Facebook is a is a completely different beast than than Instagram and just Facebook and Instagram in general compared to like uh, a Google with your search engine marketing is what you're talking about earlier. Uh, you know, it's such a visual medium. So I'm on your Instagram right now. You've got like all these sexy photos of food. I'm super hungry. I forgot to pack lunch, so this isn't helping me. Um, but yeah, it, you are right. Like Instagram and this like taking pictures of your food wasn't a thing ever. And then Instagram came along and just like completely flipped the script. Yeah. And do you have a team help you with your social media? Yeah, absolutely. So we do have a... Um, we have marketing help us with that. And I have a not very big team, a couple of people. And then we have, you know, someone that we um, helps us as well as so a freelancer on social media who manages a few different brands, uh, you know, who used to be at Brit & Co. So has quite a lot of experience with that. But certainly I think that um, social media... Is huge for us. Uh, also, we're looking at improving, you know, the email marketing as well. You know, again, a decade ago, uh, the tools are a lot simpler, but now with the amount of email automation, customer segmentation, all the reporting analytics that you could put into it, various workflows, and there's a lot more that you have available these days to work with than you had in the past. Um, and a lot of these tools are much more affordable because everything is now on a a monthly subscription fee versus a one-time implementation fee. So I think that you know in today's world, it is easier to build a DTC brand than you know a decade ago. Yeah, you hit you said something right there that was actually amazing. So the fact that like all these things are subscription, mm-hmm. I've had people come to me with the wrong attitude about that. They'll be like, hey, like I want to pay once and be done, and you know. I don't like expenses every month. And I'm like, yeah, but then it's your responsibility to fix it when it inevitably breaks because it's everything digital breaks. Like it doesn't matter how well the code is, 
there's updates that come out, things break. We just had something break that worked in a store for years. And then Shopify updated some stupid script and we're working on it today. You know, These things always break when they're custom coded. That's why I, I recommend using these apps that are built because it's their problem to fix it when things get updated, not yours. Your, your price stays the same. Just it's there, and it's usually oh, the barrier is way less to get into that amazing feature or you know product. Like for example, email marketing. Like when people complain about the price of email marketing, I'm like, then you're just not sending enough emails. Like that thing is well worth it. Whatever you're using, it's worth the price for whatever that app is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just amazing. Like two decades ago, you know, when you have kind of the first dot com boom, right? E-commerce one point zero. It would cost you almost a million dollars to build one of those uh, e-commerce website, right? And then fast forward ten years later, you know, it still costs you maybe under hundred thousand dollars to build a custom website. And these days, you know, you're talking about thousands of dollars to you can just or shop, you can configure Shopify yourself. Might not look very good, but you can even just get it out of the box for next to nothing for a few hundred dollars, or you could hire an agency for a lot less than you could ten years ago. So I think that. It's definitely made it a lot more accessible in today's context and environment. Yeah, I, I actually so I love Shopify for for that. You can get you you can test your idea and you can make a working e-commerce store. You can find that product market fit for almost almost no money. Like it's just your time and you hit the nail on the head. It might not look good, but that's not what you're looking. You're not looking to have the best looking website here. You're looking to test your idea, see if people will buy. What you're selling, you know, product market fit. That's something that agencies. I don't think any agency out there will ever be like, "We're going to help you with your project product market fit." And if you find one, let me know because they sound like millionaires. Like that's the hardest thing to do is to find the product that people actually want. Once that's done, you can start installing these systems and start upgrading the the branding and you know, and then start building out a more robust business. The first thing you got to do is the product market fit, and that's why Shopify is great because you can just create a store in 15 minutes if you follow the right YouTube video. Support for our podcast comes from our friends at Simpler, a new way to staff 24-7 sales and customer service on your e-commerce store. It works with your existing email and chat platforms. So setup is quick and easy. Simpler's network of on-demand US-based Simpler specialists are standing by to answer your customers' most common questions. Set it up for free today and then turn it on or off depending on your customer volume. You only pay $2.25 for every resolution. No hidden fees, contracts, or minimums. Close more sales with Simpler by staffing your email and live chat around the clock with Simpler specialists. Start your free 7-day trial at simpler.ai slash honest. That's S-I-M-P-L-R dot A-I slash honest. Did you launch the this brand on Shopify? You know, I think that... <laughs> Not quite, because I think we're migrating through a bunch of different things. I think once we got away from yeah, once we got pulled out all of the subscription services, we did launch it on Shopify. And to to let you know how easy it is, we literally had an intern implement it for us. Ooh, so, I like that. <laughs> no, that's we great. Talk, talk about being you know uh, cheap and scrappy, right? So I think we we had intern interns manage our Shopify for a few years when it wasn't really a priority before we then you know hired somebody who was uh, a full-time person to manage it um, and before we now you know are working with 
like some soft Shopify experts to upgrade and update our site a little bit as we are, uh, you know, rolling out a new branding so that we we kind of uh, update ourselves with the latest best practices. Because our Shopify website, honestly, is probably a little bit dated. It's probably about two years old. And that's the thing, right? Things evolve so quickly that something that might be fit for purpose two years ago is totally outdated and lacking in best practices today. Correct. (laughs) I will say uh, everything that you've talked about thus far is the message. We all know about it, but you're actually doing it like just starting and getting things going, not being perfect in the beginning. And you've, you've, been able to pivot and let things go and and test things. And I think that's for people that maybe don't have a store yet, it's get started. It's not going to be perfect. And you like you said, you're hey, let's have some interns work on it. Maybe you have a full-time job and you, you know, there's a project that you want to get started on. You have to start to see what's going to happen with it. You know, you can't have that paralysis and just put it out there. I love that you had interns working on it in the beginning and it wasn't a priority because now it's shifted to be a main part of your business. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think that probably comes a little bit from kind of my software background as well, right? It's, it's all about agile development, right? It's about agile processes and be be willing to make mistakes. And just it's better to just do it, make mistakes, learn from it and change uh, than to not do it until you think you have the perfect solution. I think by then things will have changed and, and you'll never be perfect ever. Can you give our listeners some advice? It sounds like one of the biggest challenges for you was finding that third-party distributor to help you get your the soup to where it needs to go in a timely manner. What did that process look like? That had to be a challenge to find the, find the right fit there, the right partner. You know, that, I think that's probably the biggest challenge. There are still not a lot of options out there for refrigerated fulfillment by third-party companies. I think that there are more and more businesses these days offering third-party fulfillment, but they tend to be shop-stable. So I think the first question is really understanding what is the product that you want to sell, especially if it is going to be a food product. You know, is it does it have to be temperature-controlled? What is the weight? What is the shelf life? I think that would determine whether, you know, you really want to go big e-commerce or direct-to-consumer. I have a friend who has all these wonderful, innovative tea crystals. They are so light, perfect for DTC, right? So some products are built for it because uh, there isn't that much logistical (laughs) barrier to get it there. Um, So you really have to consider that and whether, you know, if, if, if your product is in my category, I would say, you know, be, be careful about going all in on DTC because even with even with what we have today with that fulfillment center of you know, five fulfillment centers across the country, it is still not cheap. But you still have to pay for a temp control box. You still have to pay for dry ice or um, gel packs uh, and the products do weigh something, right? So it's very different from shipping something that weighs, I don't know, half a pound or versus hours, which could be 20 pounds. So I think think about that actually more than anything else. Uh, and of course, you can think about uh, the fun part, the brand building part, right? How are you going to connect with your customer? What is your acquisition strategy? You know, what is your conversion? Um, those other parts are really important. Um, and of course, the usual five forces, right? Who are your competitors? So on and so forth. But if you are going to go DTC, I think actually thinking about the fulfillment is probably a good way to start thinking about the challenge. 
Absolutely. So uh, I think that I don't know. I kind of want to go back to what Annette says. Is like there's going to be challenges throughout your business. It's just get started. That's all yeah. I can keep thinking about. Can you give um, our listeners? What's something this year that impactful in e-commerce that you've shifted or made a change in that has impacted your bottom line? There are a lot of changes you're making this year. I'm not sure <laughs> if <laughs> they it's impacted been, the bottom line yet. Not yet, right. <laughs> I would say that we are literally going through a brand refresh and so we'll be updating our website. Uh, our website hasn't been optimized for mobile, which is a big mistake, you know, oh. given that these days, maybe 40 to 50% of consumers are using their mobile phones to shop, right? So I think that would be very impactful for us, uh, really making sure that the website has high performance. It's important for organic search ranking. You know, and that's the downside when you hire kind of an intern or in-house person that is a generalist and you don't get some of those things right that could impact your conversion. You know, so I think our abandonment rate is pretty high. It's higher than it should be. And so we're doing a lot of things to really optimize our website, which should hopefully be done in the next four weeks. And I think that would be very impactful. We're going to be implementing a referral program and a subscription program, which I think would be great for customer acquisition as well as retention. We are also going to be switching out our email program as well. Uh, MailChimp is not going to be integrated with Shopify, I think, as of, in a couple of weeks' time. So we are looking to switch out, switch it out and put in something else, but also invest a lot more time into it to make sure that we have proper customer segmentation, uh, workflow, and more automation. I think that would be very impactful as well. So those are the things that we're doing, which I think will really drive our e-commerce uh, revenue this year substantial. Yes, you're nailing it. I'm, yeah. I'm sure you're getting beat up with expenses right now, but it's gonna it's gonna pay off. Especially you have a, a wonderful Instagram following, and if they're clicking on the links and you're not mobile friendly, you're gonna see y- your sales should go through the roof when that mobile. Well, here's is the optimized. thing: you can look in yeah. the back end of Shopify, and I do, I do this all the time when I'm I'm talking to people that are like, you know, should I make a, an investment in a new theme? And I'm like. Probably your your mobile theme is probably terrible, and I'm gonna show you how. And then they're like, "How can you like quantify something that is, you know, very it's it's art? It's like you know a theme's art, yeah, you know, whatever. But like I can quantify it by the conversion rate and the sales that you're getting from that number. So you go into the back end of your store, you look at the analytics, you break it down by device, and you're this is what every store is gonna see. They're gonna see that their mobile is like five to ten times their traffic, and their conversion rate is trash compared to their desktop rate. And I've seen it as far as like the mobile rate is like half a percent. And then like that desktop is like the one that's like making the business be successful. And I'm like, look, if you just like fix this problem, you build your site mobile first because your traffic is on all on mobile. Like that should be what you're building for first. Like ignore your desktop, build for mobile and then then reverse responsive. I don't know. That's not a term. I made it up. But like mobile is like way more important these days because everyone's looking at their stuff on their smartphone. So if you can yeah. make that user experience good, if you can take your crappy mobile conversion rate and like kick it up 25%, kick up your revenue for your mobile on 25% because it's a direct correlation. This is only math. You're looking at your conversion rate, you're looking at your sessions, and you're looking at your average order value. And you can see the opportunity within your own business to where to make your investments for like design and UX considerations. Like it's it's just all numbers at the end of the day. And it's like why I like e-commerce because I'm a nerd. 
<laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, because that's, that's some of the things that we're starting to look at, right? Because before that, literally, it's just, we're going to just have an intern, build a website on Shopify, make sure that we can ship products nationally because then that can get us the PR. We can say that we're available for everyone. And now we're really looking at it as a proper channel to drive revenues. And so we're looking at exactly that, you know, like your your sessions, your conversion rate, your abandonment rate and, and things like that and trying to fix a lot of those things. Yeah. And then uh, you were talking about how you guys are going to make the switch uh, from MailChimp to something else. Uh, if yeah. you guys haven't decided yet, I would just recommend Calavio. It's my favorite of all of them. I second that. And for all of yeah, our listeners. That was the one that we're looking at. And Drip is the other one we're looking at. It's between those two at the moment. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you after the show. Yeah, well, I'll, yeah. give you the, well, I'll give the pros and cons right now for everyone listening. Yeah, so sure. Drip's got sure. some deliverability issues these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually used to be on Drip as an agency and we migrated off Drip to ConvertKit. Uh, I actually wrote an email all about this. But ConvertKit is way more for what we do as an agency. It would not work for anybody that's really doing e-commerce. It's not built for e-commerce at all. Uh, Clavio was built for e-commerce from the ground up. Like Drip is definitely an older player in the game of automations. And like if you can dream it, you can definitely build it with Drip. I've made some crazy stuff with Drip for our business, but at the same time, like you don't need to be that crazy with these automations. So Clavio, what it offers out of the box and how seamlessly it integrates with Shopify and just the support, I I would highly recommend Clavio over Drip. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I built my campaigns in Clavio and automations. And I'm always like super pumped when I look and see that I'm making money off of emails that are just set up and have been set up and I never had to touch again. So yeah, everybody out there, get on that wagon quick, especially since the breakup happened between MailChimp and Yeah, well, by the time this comes <laughs> yeah, out, the, yeah, the breakup will be Complete. old news. Yeah. They, might be, they might be back together. We'll be following this text, like this, these text giants rom-com for the next two years. <laughs> so let's let's let our listeners know where can they find you? Where's the best uh, place for them to purchase this? Of course, direct from their site. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, direct from our site would be great. <laughs> you know, um, otherwise we are in Whole Foods. Uh, we are in uh, uh, Walmart. Not all of them. Uh, we are in Amazon Go and uh, Fresh Direct will be bringing us on and Foodcake. We're actually doing pretty well with some of the other um, e-commerce players. Sunbasket has us now nationally, which is interesting. But otherwise, you know, in most of the hopefully in in a store near you is is the aim. <laughs> another question: What is the your favorite product? Chase and I are going to purchase something. What what should we purchase? What's your favorite? Oh, you know, I think the Thai coconut lime is mm. just our best seller and my favorite. Sold. It has so much umami and flavor in there. It comes either in a cup or in a pouch if you want to cook it with noodles. That's okay. the one that I highly recommend. Okay. And we just won the Sophie Award for it this year. Um, and the Sophie Award is what's given out by the Specialty Food Association, uh, where judges, you know, uh, judge that it is a great product. So we just won that. It's kind of like the Oscars for the food industry. We're okay. very excited that we just won it for the Thai coconut line. Oh, congratulations. And when you when you just said the name, Chase and I are like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to get some of that and have a little, you know, soup party. <laughs> awesome. Nona, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, thank you so much. I just, I, yeah. I can't, it's, it's so unique, the journey, and you shared a bunch of awesome stuff for our listeners. And hopefully, uh, we can circle back in a few months and yeah, talk, talk wanna... about the new stuff that you did to your store and how it, like, what's yeah. going on with it. We'll have to follow up after the mobile and you do, you know, 
touch everything up. We'll see how the yeah, bottom line. Absolutely. The bottom line. We've implemented everything up. You should definitely uh, circle back, and I'll tell you what the impact is on the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. Great. So look at that. We just our first sequel. Yeah. Look at no, that. That'll that'll be fun. That'll be lots of fun. So take some notes for us along this journey of the upgrades. But thank you so much. We appreciate your time. And then everybody, please go to Nona Lim. It's N O N A L I M dot com by direct. We can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing the truth. Links and more will be available in the show notes. If you found any actionable advice in this podcast that you'd like to apply to your business, please reach out at electriceye.io slash connect. Please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice.